celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. Wow. I am just looking at the schedule today. It is jam pack full. And uh, hopefully you'll be in there too. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question about your animals. We have Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions. And uh, Dog Father Joey Volani with your grooming questions. And if this is your first time here, this is the show where we're just a little bit crazy about our animals. And we uh, pay homage to our animals every week. It is our religion, compassion towards creatures, great and small. And we'd love to hear about your animals. You can also ask your questions of the vet and the groomer directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And it's a free download. On today's show, Doc Halligan is going to be back. She promised to teach me this week how to brush my cat's teeth every day. No, I think hmm. every other day. Every other day? Yeah, we get a break in there. We don't have to do it every day like we do ours. There's a little bit of break. And now, I'm frankly a little worried about this. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I don't know how this I would will... be. Yeah? Yeah? You too. I, I see. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stick my finger in, my cat, in any cat's mouth. Yeah. Well, this will work for dogs too. So if you have a dog yeah, or a cat. That's different. Yeah, usually it's much different. And that's why... I preach to clean your pet's teeth, and so does Dr. Debbie. Dr. Debbie uh, doesn't do it either. Hold on, though. Have you ever seen Halligan's cats? Because I have. Her cats are, are very, very calm and docile. Now, I've dealt with a lot of cats and, you know, grooming them. I've dealt with cats that would charge to the front of the kennel and, and hiss and spit <laughs> at you. And if you think half of these cats I would be sticking my finger in their mouth, you are out of your mind. Okay, well, she's going to tell us how to do it. And she also has a plan B just in case that doesn't work or you lose a digit some somewhere oh. along the line. <laughs> Uh, oh, Dr. Becker is back today. And Robert Semro with his list of mania this week, the four best movies featuring pets that only pet fanatics would know of. Hmm. There you go. I wonder so you, what those are. That's a good one. You'll have yeah. to stick around for that. I'm curious. Lori Brooks working hard in the newsroom, as usual. You're always the first one to show up. But somebody's got to be here to unlock the door. So. <laughs> Start the coffee. <laughs> Do all of that. Yeah. What are you working on today? Well, you know, dog napping is on the rise in such a dramatic way these days. So I boil it down to a couple of things. And one of them is that I'm going to tell you the most important step that you need to take in case your dog is ever stolen and you want to be able to get it back in court. Really? Is dog napping on the rise? Oh, it's it's huge. More than 30% increase in the past year. Are they certain wow. breeds? Do you know? Uh, some certain breeds, but um, really it's just in general. They're taking them from, from your front yard, from cars, from everywhere. But there's a lot of way that, you know, animals can, you can make money off of. And we're not going into that because we don't want to give anybody any ideas. Of course ideas. not. I don't let my dog out of my sight. If she if she's nope. outside in the yard, I'm with her. She's never outside alone. Or should you say she's with you? Yeah. She's Velcro. She follows you everywhere. And I never leave her in the car. Okay. Well, that's on the way with Lori Brooks in just a few minutes. But first, let's take care of you. Hi, John. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing today? Good. Where are you? Uh, we're in Rancho Cucamonga, California. The L.A. sort of area, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, just outside of L.A. Correct. Oh. So what's going on? How can we help you today? Well, we have two female boxers. One's three and a half. One is a year and a half. The three and a half we had fixed before her first cycle, so about seven, eight months. Um, the year and a half we let her have her, I guess, our puppy cycle and then another full cycle. Um, so we had her 
fixed spade in oh probably late January or I'm sorry late December early January. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a year and a half to when we let house cycles, her teats are all different sizes. Some as though she's had a litter of puppies, and some as though she's still a puppy. I guess is by the easiest way to say it. Mm-hmm. So we know that cancer and breast cancer and all types of tumors run in these dogs. So just a little cause for concern is as to why some have not, you know, gone back down. I know they get cleaned when they're in their cycle. Well, there can be a lot of different things that will affect the size and appearance of... Um, now, I should ask before I continue, has she ever had any litters? Just two cycles, no no. Two cycles, okay. All right, so there are a lot of different things that can cause the size of the nipple or the, the teat to be enlarged. And the, the first thing I always look at in a dog that's never had a litter that um, is spayed currently is I, I like to look for underlying skin disease because there often can be problems where we'll see things like allergies um, or even bacterial or yeast infections that will cause a general itchiness or inflammation. And that can sometimes translate into enlarged nipples um, as well as itching, scratching, some of those other symptoms. So that's one of the things I always like to look at. Um, For other dogs, um, if the nipples are actually enlarged, almost like a dog that's in heat, um, I really like to examine and, and ask a lot of questions about the business of the humans in the household, meaning that is anyone on any kind of hormone creams? Because we do know that dogs that share a home with a person that's on a hormone patch or a cream, if they're applying it, say, to their arms, even with casual contact, that can actually be absorbed by the dog and can relate um, to some different swellings of um, the external uh, genitalia or the the mammary areas itself. So that's another thing. But yeah, you certainly are right with... um, Female dogs, especially boxers, we are a little more concerned about things in the tumor realm as well. And that would be something that I think with a, a boxer background, I would definitely encourage you to, to get this gal checked out just so we could do a good examination. And basically what we do is we, we palpate or we feel those different areas to see if there's anything abnormal. Um, I have had some dogs, um, usually it's more in dogs, female dogs that have had litters um, where they'll, because their nipples get so big when they're pregnant, right they'll actually have problems with inversion of the nipple. And then you can get a little bit of infection inside there. Um, so things like that can go on as well. So it may not all be bad things that we got to worry about, but I, I, I would definitely say that would be something to have her looked at and make sure we can do that as a comparison. Um, especially, and you said there's various ones that are bigger than others? Correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so he, well, your scenarios, no one's on a, on a cream or anything, um, but I, I wonder... Would that be something the doctor would like say? She was just stayed um, probably uh, maybe not two months ago, but longer than a month, between a month and two months ago, she was spayed. So would, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be something who would, in her normal checkup, pre-op, would, would check for any type of... Yeah, and, and I guess the other thing that I'll throw out there, that if it's in the timeline of within two months of being spayed, there are dogs that will actually go through a false pregnancy, if so, if she was kind of close to the time of being hormonally active, um, they can actually develop milk. <laughs> so the nipples themselves will actually uh, swell up and you can actually express kind of a, a milky fluid out of that. So sometimes just post-spay, if we're within that time zone, it could be something as simple as that as well. And that isn't necessarily apparent at the time of spaying, but it would come out in the weeks following. Okay. So, so yeah, I'd say, you know, a lot of hopefully good things this could be, but I would certainly get her to the vet. 
Okay, great. I appreciate your help. Hey, John, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Pam. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you today? Very good. Where are you? In Santa Maria, California. How can we help you today? Well, I'm calling because uh, we have a behavioral problem with our deaf puppy. Um, Okay. Our our puppy is um, a year old, and we've had her since she was uh, two months old. And we've gone through training sessions with her, and she's done fairly well. But in the last, uh, I'd say the last three months, she uh, has been growling and biting at me if I try to remove her from the couch or chair or something that she just doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, know, I don't know how to correct her on this. Okay, so she has basic obedience. Does she know how to do like a, a sit, uh, come? Do you, have you taught her those commands? Yes, we went through puppy school twice. <laughs> okay. And she does those, yes. Okay, so I'm assuming you have taught her hand signals. Is that what she's, uh, you're teaching her off of? Yes, we use hand signals with her, and uh, she does fairly well. But I just don't know how to handle this problem so that she will stop doing it. Yeah. Now, does she have any other problems, like in the, at night if she's on on the bed with you and you try to scooch her, does she tend to get upset about that kind of stuff? No. Um, she doesn't sleep with us. She sleeps in her own bed. She has a nice bed, and she's very comfort, comfortable. Uh, Good. And um, about uh, a month ago, we purchased another puppy about uh, four months old who has been a great companion for her. And uh, we thought that might uh, give her some companionship that she doesn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. I would say that with uh, your situation, Pam, I'm not quite certain whether her problem is because she's deaf or if she's just being obstinate and being a little bit dominant in some of those situations. So the the first thing, and it's great that you have her trained to hand signals because deaf dogs can learn all those same commands. They just need to read our body language and things like the hand signals. The thing that we want to make sure if she's getting uh, kind of saucy in certain situations and doesn't want to follow your commands, my thought is that I would not want to lose physical control, and I want you to have a ability to control her and to give her direction, and if she does not follow that, you can remove her safely. One of the best ways to do this is to use a, a light training collar with a head harness, and especially for deaf dogs, it's so good because it helps them direct their eyes to you um, because it co- kind of corrects kind of like a bridle on a horse. So that would be something important. Um, now, it seems... It might be a little unrealistic to use this all the time, but it's when you're in the home or when you anticipate you might be in these situations where she can get a little bit obstinate, that's where I'd really want to use that. And then always reward, reward, reward after you give her a correction. And you, if you sense that she's starting to give you a little bit of sass, um, we want to focus on the positive and not focus on that negative response. If you've already got her trained, it may not be something you need to do, but for some folks with deaf dogs, we'll actually use vibration collars um, to help catch their attention and to kind of maybe potentially stop a behavior. Say she's running out and going to get hit by a car. If we have a deaf dog trained to a vibration collar, it gives a a light vibration, tells her to look for you, and then you can give her the the hand signals and the commands. So that's another way that's kind of another step you can graduate up to, but that is something that for some 
pet owners with deaf dogs, it really can be a, a big difference. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Still to come, Doc Halligan, and she'll tell us how we can uh, safely brush our cat's teeth without losing any digits or drawing blood. And I don't know that that can be done, but she insists that it can. She (laughs) says that she brushes her cat's teeth every other day. I guess on certain animals. That's on the way. And Dr. Marty Becker is on the way. And also Robert Simro with this week's Animal Radio Listomania, the four best movies featuring pets that only pet fanatics have seen. Hi, Beverly. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston, West Char- Virginia. Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. Well, tell us, what is your problem? I got everybody here for you. Uh, uh, the revolution you put on a cat. Do you have to put it on every month? I have an inside cat, and I was just wondering if you have to do it every month. Yeah. Well, um, in West Virginia, you're, you're definitely in heartworm endemic areas there. So in areas where we have heartworms and the vector, which is the mosquito, um, those pets, if the climate is such that um, the local veterinarians are recommending year-round protection, you want to follow through and, and make sure you do give that heartworm treatment every month, the heartworm preventative every month. Um, so it is important to be consistent. You don't want to miss doses. Um, you know, missing one dose, and you know, it's been shown that the efficacy is pretty close to 100% just by missing, you know, one month and picking it up thereafter. But you get two months or more out, and certainly there's going to be a risk that you can acquire the infection. So um, it is important to try to stay to every 30 days, um, give that consistently. And, you know, the thing I will bring up is that heartworm disease in cats is very different than in dogs. In dogs, um, we tend to know about it a little bit more readily. Um, of course, it's, you know, they get into end-stage um, uh, problems when we notice it. But with cats, it actually looks like a lot of other diseases. They may have symptoms of vomiting, uh, loss of appetite, weight loss, um, sometimes coughing and respiratory problems. But it really doesn't scream a diagnosis of this cat has heartworm. Um, and of cats that have heartworm disease, believe it or not, 25 to 30 percent of cats, uh, when their owners were surveyed after the fact of diagnosis, those cats were indoor exclusive cats. So 
Outdoor cats have a higher potential infection rate, but just because you have an indoor cat doesn't mean those mosquitoes don't go inside. So um, that is not a good reason not to keep up with that preventative. So I'm going to advocate, try to stay true, give that um, preventative once a month. Uh, can I ask you something else? Sure. Uh, does uh, what's those things you put on animals to track them? Those chips? Microchip. Okay. Yeah, we were just talking about that in the last one of the last shows. Uh, don't they cause cancer after a certain a, a while? Well, the product that, that we were talking about is one that's not even yet on the market, so we can't really fully answer that yet. Um, now, in reference to regular microchips, which have been on the market for forever, um, those the risk there has been a study that was released a few years back, and it created a lot of concern in my my clients. And the study was one that was made in rodents, and it showed that rodents that had a microchip implanted had a risk of tumor formation. And while there is some potential risk in dogs and cats, um, the problem there's a lot of problems with this particular study that got people upset, they used rodents in that study that actually had a genetic gene for the tendency to develop tumors. So that's really not looking in the life population of dogs and cats that we have out there. Um, and when you really look at the risk of tumor formation in dogs and cats from microchips, we're talking maybe one in a million, whereas think of all the thousands of dogs and cats that are euthanized on a regular basis at shelters because they can't get home to their families. So microchips, in my opinion, are very life-saving, and I would say the risk of tumor formation is very minimal um, compared to the other um, potential uh, dangers of, of not uh, having a microchip. Thank you. Thank you for okay. your call today, Beverly. Have a good day. Yeah, you know, you got to weigh out the risks there. And obviously, if you lose your animal and it, and it ends up in a shelter that's going to be put to sleep or euthanized because it, its owner hasn't been found, much bigger risk than developing any kind of, what, sarcoma or anything around right. the microchip. And you know what's really interesting is in, in, in England, over 50% of dogs and cats are microchipped. And when they looked at a period of time over about 10 years and looked at the tumor formation possibility within all those animals, they only found two tumors. Hmm. So, you know, in a, wow. in a, that's, in that's a country, a, yeah, yeah, I mean, in a country that really embraces microchipping in their pet population is far greater than what we have here. Um, I think that speaks a lot to kind of hopefully calm a lot of people with this. And could they actually pinpoint that that was actually the root of the cause? You know, that's the challenge. In some of the cases that I read of, um, they couldn't say it was clearly just the microchip because many times either vaccinations were given in that same area or the pet received other injections. So you can't say, aha, it was the microchip and not four years of vaccinations or, you know, these other injections that were given in that site. So that, that becomes the kind of slippery slope you can't really tell. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. You smell like a pig. You might not be able to say that much longer. Purdue University scientists are trying to determine why pigs smell so much and how they can make it stop. 
Their research is in response to growing pressure from federal regulators, environmentalists, and rural residents sick of the stench. Linda and Perry Trader's Indiana backyard is so stinky from a nearby hog farm, they have to stay inside, never using their swimming pool. Scientists are attacking the stink where it starts. Hogs are fed experimental feeds to help change the strong sulfur and ammonia smells they leave behind. And the research is promising. Scientists say that pig farms won't ever smell great, just maybe more like cattle farms. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline line right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 this is an animal radio news update i'm Lori brooks Looks like man's best friend has become a thief's best target. So if you think your dog is safe, the experts say, really, you need to think again about this because dog nappers are at work and stealing pets at a very alarming rate. An estimated 2 million pets are now stolen each year in the United States. That is up 32%, according to the American Kennel Club. Surprisingly, it seems no dog is safe. They've been reported stolen from fenced-in yards, cars, and even snatched from, would you believe, seemingly safe front porches. Some of the stolen dogs are used for dog fighting, either as a fighter dog or a bait dog. Animals that are not fixed, well, those are often sold to puppy mills and can be used as breeder dogs and other dogs might be sold for a quick profit on Craigslist. But there are some important steps that all of us pet owners need to take to protect our pets. Never ever, experts say, leave your dog unattended. Not even in your locked car because if a thief wants your dog bad enough they will just smash the glass to get it experts also suggest microchipping and getting a gps collar or monitor that can cost anywhere from 50 to maybe 200 bucks but the single most important step that you can take right now is to document your pet's history they say save all of your your dog licensing veterinary care records and such and it doesn't matter if you get the dog from a friend, a family member even, a breeder or a shelter, just make sure that you have the transfer of ownership completely and legally documented. A Wisconsin mother is crediting their family dog with saving all of their lives from what could have been a deadly carbon monoxide leak in their home. The family knew their furnace was on the fritz, but they didn't really think a whole lot about it. Abby jumped up on the bed, the dog Abby, and then she began pawing at the mom, even lifted her head up with her nose. Well, Abby then led the mom downstairs and sat down right next to the furnace so the mom could then hear the carbon monoxide detector going off. 
I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. On the other end of that phone there, you'll find Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions and groomer Joey Volani with your grooming questions. And in fact, we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. But on the phone right now, actually on Skype, we have veterinary correspondent Dr. Marty Becker. How are you doing? Hello, my dear friends. How are you? Splendid. You have a list, and I'm intrigued by the title. Tell me what's going on. You know what? I knew you'd be intrigued by the title because you guys get pitches every day. Sure. And so here I am. I got. I think, what would what would Hal and Judy know that their people would like to know? So, let's talk about the three things that pet owners worry too much about. The first one is what kind of parasite control product they use. Uh, so you watch TV. You go into. Walgreens or Walmart or online or in the veterinary hospital, and there's so many different parasite control products. I think you worry too much about uh, about what kind of parasite control product to use. Now, on the other hand, what you worry too little about, I, I think you you uh, you worry too little about making sure that you use a parasite control as directed year-round for life. Mm. You mean so, I should be using it, but I shouldn't necessarily care about which kind that I'm using? Is that what well, you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What'll happen is people, oh, there's something new, or should I just get this one that I used to use at the vet, now as I see it at Petco, or I see online that this one's on sale, or I hear from my neighbor that this one works better. Uh, not, not that you shouldn't ask your veterinarian which one you should use, and, and be honest with your veterinarian. Tell them, you know what? I'm going to buy it. I, I'm going to buy it where I buy my groceries. Or I go to the pet store all the time. I buy it there. I'm going to buy it online. Which one should I use? And then just stick with it. But what you don't worry enough about, people try to time going on and off of it too much. Or it's an indoor pet or it's an outdoor pet. Or I'm waiting until after the third killing frost. I'm going to start it again now because the, the plants are budding out. You need, you need to be on the parasite control product as directed year-round for life, period. Okay. Okay. So parasite control, one thing that I should worry differently about. What else? Okay. This is what you worry too much about. It's what you feed your pet. Uh You've heard me talk about this forever. And the group that I work with, I'm working on my 25th book right now. Uh, There's four of us. Two of us feed commercial food. One of us cooks for her own pet. And the other person, you know, buys the food that's, uh, you know, really super premium food. So I don't want to get into those discussions of, you know, uh, you know, which one I feed or anything. But uh, rather than worrying about what you feed for your pet, I will just tell you this, and I'd be interested to see what Debbie says here. I can't think of the last time I, I've seen a pet come in that had a nutritional deficiency. Yes, there are pets that have uh, allergic reactions to pets. And yes, there's to pets foods. that do, Yeah, and on foods. Yes, sir. Sorry. And then that do better on certain specific foods, of, you know, joint diets and, and stuff for sensitive stomach. But uh, you just don't see nutritional deficiencies. And there was a, an article in uh, Consumer Reports maybe four years ago six veterinary nutritionists, boarded nutritionists at veterinary schools had never seen a case of a nutritional deficiency. So just know probably what you're feeding is fine. But here's what, so here's the opposite of that. So you worry too much about what you feed. You don't worry enough about how you feed your pet. So I want you to remember about using food puzzles or food dispensing devices. We're starting to see a big push now towards doing more enrichment activities for pets. If you look in a zoo and you think of a lion or tiger, there's more enrichment activities for that lion or tiger in a zoo than there is in a typical home for cats. 
So we need to do things that are enrichment activities. And so much of their genetic exuberance is revolves around hunting for food. Mm. And so we can't just plop the stuff in a bowl and forget all the other pieces that go along with hunting. So food dispensing devices or food puzzles. So the third thing that you uh, pet owners worry too much about is giving their pets products that have claims about healthier hips, healthier eyes, healthier teeth. You get the stuff sent to you. I see the stuff in the store. Uh, what they worry too little about, so I tried to tear these up. You, you worry too much about what parasite control product to use, too much about what to feed, too much of what pet products that have claims about healthier hips, eyes, and teeth, too little about making sure you use a parasite control year-round, making sure you feed your pet using a food dispensing device or food puzzle. Uh, make sure you use the things that we know work and quit always trying to seek something else out that you see an ad for. It looks in the store and it's got this clever claim and oh, I'll try that stuff, you know. Going along the, the feeding idea is that more people, do, I think, worry that they're not feeding their pets enough because their pets don't eat well, but they may be overweight. So I think right. whatever it, they tend to feed, they're feeding more than the pet needs. <laughs> perfectly, perfectly said. Three things pet owners worry both too much and too little about. You ready for this one? Okay. Vaccinations. Uh-huh. Now, I've said it before on here, for most core vaccinations, you only need to vaccinate every three years. If you still have a veterinarian out there, that is vaccinating your pet for everything every year, you need to get a different veterinarian. Uh, it goes against all the recommendations of the American Animal Hospital Association, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and uh, it's just, it's wrong. Now, here's what you worry too little about. You need to worry about leptovirus. You know, lepto is a, a, a disease that's zoonotic. It can be transmissible from animals to people. It's it's a wicked disease in pets, and it's becoming more common. And now we got this new flu virus, this H3N2 virus, and there are a couple new vaccines out for it. So I want you to think about vaccinations for And, you know, I've got this little distemper survivor. That was the one that was barking a second ago. We're seeing distemper again. So when I say when I say every three years, make sure it's every three years and you don't not vaccinate it because we're starting to see distemper come back. Mm, okay. There you go, your worry wart. You've been worrying about all the wrong things. Now you know what to worry about. Thank you so much, Dr. Marty Becker. What's the website? Uh, I'd go to drmartybecker.com or my other home is vetstreet.com. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com and we'll check back with you again very soon. Thank you. It's Vinny Penn, your party animal, coming at you on Animal Radio. I want to talk about something that I don't know if this even goes on anymore. Maybe it's a lost art. It's certainly one I never understood. But the word of the day is taxidermy. Is that even still going on? Is there someone listening right now who's like whose name is probably Elliot, who's like, I'm a taxidermist. Does that still happen? I visited some friends in Rhode Island, uh, some family friends in Rhode Island recently and got spooked because when we grew, when we were growing up, we loved their dog, Sport. Sport lived to be almost 20 years old. And as kids, we loved Sport. And when I went in the house, there was something very spooky on the couch because it looked like Sport stuffed. And it like took some whispering amongst my siblings before we realized, no, it was a stuffed animal that was purchased because it looked so much like sport. But it got me wondering, are people still doing that with their pets? 
I really kind of never got that. I get the love and the loss and the I could even get putting a picture framed where there were flashing lights around it, Christmas tree lights around it or Michelob lights flashing around there or whatever that maybe it even barked. You could turn it on and it would bark and it was recording of the actual dog. But stuffing the thing and putting it up on a mantle. Oh, man. To me, that's just kind of like, are, are there people who do that and sleep with it and pretend it's alive and take it for walks where they're just like dragging it down the street and all the neighbors ignore? Yeah, that's just Joey and his his dog, Benji. They're, uh, yeah, Benji died a few years ago. We all act like he's alive. Hey, Joey. Hey, Benji. I don't, good boy. Just ignore the fact that he's dragging the stuffed thing. I mean, is that, is it? Somebody explain taxidermy to me. How would you like to get a free smartphone? If you own a smartphone, listen to this incredible offer that's almost too good to be true. Right now, you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as $2 a day. Guaranteed for life. Plus, get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline now and we'll move your number from your existing service. Think of your savings. So don't wait. Switch your plan, save money, plus get a free smartphone every year. Call the free smartphone hotline hotline right now we guarantee you're gonna love our service if you don't like what we say you can hang up on us but you won't right now you can switch your plan and get service with us for as little as two dollars a day guaranteed for life call the free smartphone hotline right now 800-475-3351 800-475-3351 that's 800-475-3351 Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Hi, Melinda, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Where are you today? Um, I'm in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Well, Tallahassee, you're on with Dr. Debbie. Well, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. Oh, well, great. My pleasure. What kind of a pet problem do you have going on? Well, we're having an issue with my male cat who is neutered, and we have quite a few cats. Um, some are ours, and some are ones that have adopted us, and they're feral, but um, they've all been neutered as well. And um, our little boy, his name is Boots. He seems to be getting into a lot of scraps because he comes home with a lot of um, little scabs that have some have developed into some pretty nasty abscesses. And one of them, he actually got so bad, his leg blew up at least five, six times its normal size. He had to go in. They had to open it up and drain it. He was on IV antibiotics for a couple days. And he recovered uneventfully from that one. But now he's got one in his tail and he just seems to be picking these things up. So I just figured I'd call to see if you had any advice of ways we could head this thing off. I mean, short of, of course, keeping him in the house, which he's not going to like. But maybe <laughs> something we could do when we first see the abscess that maybe would prevent it from going on and getting so bad. 
It's a good question there. And as far as, and definitely the, the most important way to prevent this is to keep him inside. Um, because if he is a scrapper and if he's getting into these little altercations with the other kitties, that one behavior alone is going to put him not only at risk for these um, infections, but also other types of infections. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I would certainly make sure that if he hasn't had this done regularly is have him tested for feline leukemia and kitty AIDS. Um, yeah. Because that, both of those conditions can cause a kind of weakened immune system where we might have a harder time fighting off basic infection. Um okay. Now, as far as when we actually have a, a fresh injury, um, part of the challenge with a cat bite um, or even a cat scratch is that the wound itself is generally really small in comparison to the bacterial load. It's almost like nature's way of injecting bacteria under uh, a cat's skin. So the little puncture wound is really tiny and it seals up very quickly. So a lot of times, even as diligent as you might want to be, you may not even know when that first bite wound occurs. Um, you can clean with hydrogen peroxide and so forth on the skin surface, but realizing right. that, yeah, it's going to be really hard to time that and where you're going to catch that um, that original uh, bite incident. Um, so that's about all I can say as far as keeping the area clean. Um, but, yeah, this is, and I know, Hal and Judy, you guys have been yeah. through this as far as the cat bites oh, and yes. health. How well, really? I had some um, antibiotics that if I felt an abscess, um, like we do have some leftover from his last hospitalization. What if I just gave him something, um, you know, in anticipation that it would be so bad then that he'd have to be hospitalized? Like preventative for that? medicine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like when I saw one pretty sizable coming on. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Infectious disease doctors are going to be calling the show complaining if I say yes. Because when we use antibiotics because we think we're going to get an infection, and especially using them um, short of a proper course of antibiotics, Mm -hmm. that sets us up for problems. And that sets not only him up for problems, but the whole bacterial world in general, we create superbugs when we treat just kind of hit or miss with antibiotics. So it's a great idea and concept, but in the long run, it may not necessarily help him. Anytime we use antibiotics, we want to use it from start to finish, make sure we follow through. Now, when he does have some of these bad infections, I would definitely encourage to have a culture done. And that could be something. I have seen cats that have had reoccurring um, infections, especially, you know, cats that fight or go out and, and get into altercations, and that they can actually have some unusual bacteria. And there's some called, called mycobacteria, which okay. is a, a bit of an unusual type. And um, it would take doing a culture or even sometimes a biopsy to find that. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, there's also other weird things out there, like a type of fungus uh, called mm-hmm. sporotrichosis that can cause some abscesses. So there's some other exotic things where, you know, if he keeps having these problems, we might want to take that time, especially if he's having surgery, and get a little bit of a background information to kind of how to best gear our future efforts. Of course, Melinda, you know your cat will live a longer life if it becomes an indoor cat, right? You know that? Yeah, you know what? I know. I want to suggest something. I have cats that love to go outdoors, and I don't let them just free roam. I have a cattery. Yeah. It's a 10 by 10 mm-hmm. chain link dog run with a cover over the top, and they sit on the grass. They think they're outside. I have a little doggy door through the window so they can go out, and if you're in an area, you can set up something like that they have the benefits of both going outside and still remaining indoors and safe and finish your antibiotics too whenever you you shouldn't have any leftover antibiotics 
I'm sorry. I feel like I, I punished you. I punished you. <laughs> Don't scare the callers away. No, I'm but thank you, that. Melinda. That That's a very good question. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. Thank you very much okay. for calling today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Talent Cable, there they are, the crows. I have about seven or eight crows that come to my house. They're terrorizing me, but they're too smart. I can't get them. I don't know how they know, but like there'll be seven of them in my yard. They land on my roof. They do what crows do. You know, it's like they're mocking me. As soon as I leave my chair and go downstairs and I look out the window, they're gone. They're like so smart. I had no idea crows were so smart. Smarter than me, anyway. Hi. This is Ginger. Ginger, my favorite spice. Are you the one that's asking about uh, men? Yes, I need to know how to be one. Desperately. Oh, we lost her. Let's look around the internet. Man bites to keep pizza-eating pet alligator. The alligator's name is Gwendolyn. He's 13 feet long and David's taken care of him for 47 years. The alligator's even allowed inside the house. Once he was in the house, he didn't want to leave. I think it took us like three weeks to get him to go back outside. He was on the couch all the time or in the bathtub. He loves Chips Ahoy cookies. Now we're excited. Now you like that, huh? This is Animal Radio. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, it feels like we have so much to cover in one remaining hour here including your phone calls this hour you will find out how to brush your cat's teeth every other day a challenge that uh i've tried (laughs) i can't do i'm afraid that might be why it's not working is because my cat can smell my fear that's true uh but doc Doc halligan will hopefully uh tell me she she says that she brushes her cat's teeth every other day and I, I bow to anybody that does that. So really, you take that's a good stiff drink before. <laughs> what about <laughs> yeah, yes. really and relax, Doctor Debbie? You leave it to the old man to do it, right? You know I do, but I'm I'm getting better. I do brush um, my big dog's teeth some, but um, he's taken it actually as a personal kind of goal to brush our dog's teeth every day. So I'm not going to step in the way. I do wow. everything else. I do the grooming, <laughs> I do the feeding, the cleaning. So yeah, I'll let him take that role. That's fine. Okay. Well, we'll find out for those that don't know how to do this role. And a cat, I think, is a little tougher than a dog. But we'll find out in just a few minutes uh, with Doc Halligan. And what are you working on over there in the newsroom, Lori? Well, did you notice there is an essay and an ESA? An uh, essay, essay, service, service animal. animal. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and ESA, emotional support animal. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. And there's, you know, 80 million kinds of the ESAs now. We're going to tell you the difference between uh, an emotional support animal and a service animal because the definitions of each and the rights of each are so greatly different. But we'll we'll update you on it and get you up to speed, okay? You know, I was on a flight last week, and there was an animal, there was a dog, a, a small little dog, 
that mm-hmm. had a service vest on, and the owners were claiming this was a service animal, but it was misbehaving. It was causing trouble. I could tell oh. this was not a service animal, and there really is no certification or registration of service animals. No, and they, you know, they, right. the personnel there can't really ask a lot of questions. Sure. They're limited on what they can ask. Well, it's that Disabilities Act. You know, yeah. if you turn away somebody, that's a ten thousand dollar fine right there. Uh, but we're I had a- run into somebody once who went on and on and on about how much they paid to have their service dog trained to assist them. And it was for a legitimate purpose or what you – it truly was if he had the dog for what he said that he, he needed the dog for. It was legitimate. But um, I, I don't want to spill too many details here. But this person actually – then we found out that he was having an affair with the dog trainer. Mm. Oh. Oh, it, was, it was horrible. I mean, so, dun, dun, dun. so is this really a service dog or not? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. What is this about the service turkey? Did you hear about this that was on a Delta flight or something I like come that? Come on. Service right. Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to find out more with far. Lori Brooks here in just a couple of minutes after answering your calls. I wanted to bring this up because there's been a, several calls about this this week. It was about the Zika virus in animals. And there's several questions. First, the question is, can they get infected? Can they get exposed to the virus? Can they replicate it? Can they transmit it? And I think what's more relevant is whether they can get sick from the Zika virus. And to this date, there has no evidence showing that they can get sick or get affected by it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that they can't. In the meantime, the safest thing to do is to keep those skeeters away from your animal, right? Just Because that's how it's transfer- transmitted right now is through mosquitoes, yeah, right? Yeah, and I think we, we need to clarify that the the mosquito is, the outbreak has been in South America. So the people in the U.S. that have had it have been exposed elsewhere. So it's not that our mosquitoes out in the U.S. are actually be, uh, becoming overwhelmed with a Zika virus. That is not the case. Okay. So, um, But who knows what time? And I think that's the concern is just really judicious um, parasite control is really important. Let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's go to George. Hey, George, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Redding, Pennsylvania. Redding, Pennsylvania. Uh, about, about 50 miles northwest of Philadelphia. Oh, I know where it is. That's just where the, uh, I think that's where the biggest conglomeration of pet lovers are. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a claim to fame, but we'll take it. Okay. <laughs> What's uh, going on? I have the doctor here. Uh, I have a uh, question for Dr. Daly. I have um, three uh, children in the house, so to speak. They're adopted children, two cats and a dog. Okay. And uh, all of them were adopted. Thank goodness so, you said uh, they're not human children because I don't deal yeah. with human children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my um, my two cats that I have, one is a uh, kind of a black grave cat that I found diving in the dumpsters down near our Jersey coast. And the other is was brought home courtesy of a box of kittens that was left outside of a church. Uh, and that comes to two cats. And my dog is five years old, and I got them through a, a lady in Delaware that got adopted. So, uh, so anyway, my, my problem is, or my situation is, that with the, the black grayish cat, he's um, probably about eight years old, and his name's Tucker. But in the last three weeks, uh, I've noticed that uh, he picks a couple spots out in the, in the one room, and they're probably about eight inches in diameter. And what he does is he pulls the nap off the carpet, uh, and it's kind of impresses if I wouldn't be so upset about it. But, uh, it, it, I mean, it's right down to the, um, the back of the carpet. 
mm-hmm. he pulls it out and he puts it all in a little pile, maybe about 10 to 12 inches away from the hole, from the, the area that he just made. I just want to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly because I'm having a little trouble hearing you today. Uh, okay. The the dog is tearing up pieces. Oh, it's a cat. A cat is tearing up pieces of the carpet and putting it in a pile. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Exactly and, right. and, and is he doing anything with the area? Does he eliminate in the area that he's scratched up? No, he's not. Um, it's just that the nap is put like I said, maybe about 10, 8, 10 inches away from in the area. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of impressive. It's just a, a nice little leap, leap pile, yeah. but unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's not working for me. Yeah, no, I get it too, man. I, <laughs> it's yeah. very thoughtful that he puts it all in a pile for you so it's an easy well, cleanup, but yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's almost like he's proud of it that he wants you to see it. Yeah. Well, okay, so we have to look at what is the motivation for cats when they scratch carpeting or furniture and really examine that. And, you know, I think the piling up of the the carpet waste is is maybe a side issue, <laughs> but the really the motivation of why he's doing that. For cats, there's a lot of reasons, um, but one of the most common reasons that they might scratch the carpet or furniture is to mark their territory. And that's a combination of different things. So they've got a little scent pads or the scent glands on their foot pads. So when they're actually scratching, they're actually dragging their scent over the area. And then, you know, there's also kind of that visual thing. So, you know, scratching up either, um, you know, lines along the, the back of your furniture or, you know, in this situation, kind of grooming your carpet so that these pieces are coming out of it. Um, yeah. That's definitely both those possibilities um, could be playing a role with um, marking his uh, territory, if you will. Okay. There are also cats that will do destructive behaviors with scratching that are driven more by anxiety. And sometimes we can run into this if we have multi-cat homes or if we have a cat that's a little bit stressed about, you know, being inside and having other cats outside that they can't access at a particular time. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if this guy does go in and outside, you know, that he may very well just kind of be marking his, uh, his, uh, pad, if you will. And, uh, so I would say my best recommendation, if he's going to remain to be an indoor outdoor cat, and that's a lifestyle that you're going to continue, that I think we really need to work on a couple things with the carpeted areas. Now, you can certainly replace all your carpet, but that's just giving him a brand new palette to work with, really. Mm-hmm. So I would certainly work on just some of those kind of humane um, aversions for the scratching behavior in these particular areas. And they may be something, um, I have some good luck with things like double-sided sticky tape, um, those plastic carpet runners that you run down the hallway so you preserve the, the, the tread on your carpet. If you flip those upside down and kind of put pieces of that in the particular areas, that can be just a kind aversion. So they step on it. They don't really like the feel of that. Um, so it helps to keep them away from that. There will be a lot of taping to do because it's... The boom itself is probably about 14 by 15. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So these are more the particular areas where he's currently demonstrating this behavior. So, you know, you Uh can certainly do your whole house like that. But you for these particular areas, because there's going to be a repetition that he's going to go back to that because he's already had that pattern of behavior. But the most important thing you have to do is in those areas, you have to give him an outlet. You have to give him an appropriate site that he can do these scratching behaviors because you won't stop them. Um, would so that would be. Work or 
scratching like posts for some cats. Yes, other cats I have that they don't really dig scratching posts. They would rather have something like the corrugated cardboard um, toys. You know where they have different uh, platform toys where there's the cardboard in it. So you you definitely need to find something. And and sometimes then we'll add things like a. Uh, catnip to the area to help entice them to use that and really reward him when you catch him using that and uh, you know talk to him sweetly and uh, give him treats all that kind of stuff but you, you have to give him nearby where he's doing this behavior give him some of those scratching outlets Try that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think you, you've got some things you can try there. And um, the, the big thing is that we have to you know, stop the pattern of this behavior because the more he does it, it's going to be harder to stop it. So, um, you know, your house may be a little bit in a raise <laughs> while you've got yeah. all these deterrence in certain areas. And, uh, you know, certainly supervise them. And, and I'm a fan of giving cats a lot of things to do. So if it means giving them perches, um, places they can look outside, um, you can do cat tunnels through your, your house. Um, give them, you know, fun things to do where you hide food in uh, boxes with little cutouts. Um, mentally and physically stimulated cats are less apt to be um, kind of bored and troublesome, especially if he's cooped up with the, the snow right now. <laughs> that would give him something to do. It sounds like something that'd be worth a try because he's, he's a good cat. He truly is. And he's uh, fun to be yeah, no, you can work through this, definitely. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say you, you've you got a little bit of some changes that you have to make, George, but you definitely can work through this. And, uh, you know, don't give up on that boy. And, uh, you know, if he was only an indoor cat, then, you know, the other thing I would do is um, they have those little soft paws, which are the little nail caps that you can glue on, and that can help prevent some destruction. I, Hal's laughing because I, I only, you know, I, I find it hard to do my own nails, you know, let alone my cat's nails. <laughs> glue on. But for some folks, you know, that is a great tool to help decrease the destruction part of things thanks for your call george we appreciate it listening in reading pennsylvania today on weeu doc halligan on the way she's going to tell us how to brush your cat's teeth for reals i'm frightened how would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs we've set up a special toll-free number for the rx outreach program they're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Yes, we, we have been stood up by Lori Morgan, it appears. The show's... Oh, no. I'm sure yeah. she's she's got a good reason. I'm sure she does, too. We'll try to reschedule her for her second time. And I think as a record, <laughs> she, she has only been the, the only person that's ever stood us up. 
No, we've been stood up before. Have we been yes, stood we up have. before? Yes, I don't recall exactly who, but yes, we have been stood you up. You forget how. I guess just, I do. You just wiped out of your, your mind. Yes. Well, here's what I do remember. I remember that everyone we have on the show, generally an animal lover, and except for one person, one guest we had was not an animal lover, did not like animals, and I, by the who? end of the Who was that? Smokey Robinson. Really? The tears of a clown. Great Motown artist Smokey Robinson. No connection to animals. Just, uh, nothing there. Yeah. Nope. Very strange. Yeah, glad we had him on. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> what are you working on over there in the newsroom anyway? Well, you know, sleep experts always say, don't let your animals sleep with you. It's not good for either one of you. They talk about quality of sleep and all of this stuff, health issues. But there's a new sleep study out concerning humans and animals. And we'll tell you the reasons they say that you should be sleeping with your pet. Huh. And even things up. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, that, mm-hmm. that's interesting because I usually hear the negative. Everybody yeah. says it's bad that's for right. them because you're, first, for behavior reasons, you shouldn't let them sleep in the bed. Second, I hear uh, Becker's always saying these zo- zoonotic diseases that you could get. Uh, right. Well, this is even from the Center for Sleep Medicine at a Mayo Clinic. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty incredible source. That's on the way in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Times are tough for Tokyo's 160,000 restaurants, but one tavern owner, Kayabuki, says business is booming at his place, and he owes it all to his waiters, who are monkeys. Kayabuki said it all started when he handed a pet monkey a hot towel, and the monkey handed it to a customer. Now as two monkeys are happily working as waiters to enthusiastic customers who tip the monkeys with soybeans and peanuts. The monkeys love their work, but by law they're only allowed to work two hours a day, and for health reasons they have to wear clothes. The monkey waiters are attracting customers from all around the globe. One patron was quoted as saying they were better than most human waiters. Another patron said the monkeys were cute, like his kids but they were better listeners than his kids. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nava from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Roy on the phone. Hey, Roy. Hi, how are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. You sound so cheery. Good. I have a uh, little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver. <laughs> and I, like I buy him, I try to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy. And so I got the, uh, the buffalo blue. He's been eating that for several years, but he, he doesn't really eat it. Like he'll, he'll, he'll go to the bowl, he'll eat it, he'll have... I'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back, chew another one, go go back. And it'll do that maybe a couple times, and then they'll stop eating it. I'm wondering, is, like, is there anything I can mix in with it that he'll eat the kibbles and everything? Or 
So, maybe I mean, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah, and you know, I guess I I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away and nibble, that's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style. But we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So if he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in his mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of. Well, that is true because he did have uh, two extracted like uh, about seven to eight months ago. Might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, okay. But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a, a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease, or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we'd talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. I say, I say. Well, well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. Thanks My for pleasure. Calling. Okay, you, you be well. You take care of yourself and stay warm. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, you never know who you're going to be sitting next to on an airplane these days. Surely you remember hearing about the turkey that traveled on a recent Delta Airlines flight and the passenger who claimed the big bird was an emotional support animal. In fact, emotional support animals are becoming increasingly common and their air travel is even covered under the U.S. Air Carrier Access Act, which lets passengers with disabilities bring animals aboard commercial airplanes. And those who wish to have an emotional support animal 
all they have to do is get a letter from a mental health professional. But here is the proof now that it is not difficult at all to get an ESA or emotional support animal documentation. Just over a year ago, this New York woman obtained emotional support animal credentials for five, we'll call them unconventional pets. She says people also exploit emotional support animal allowances in terms of where they can take them. While service dogs who, on the other hand, are trained to perform a particular task like responding to seizures or guiding those who are visually impaired and they're allowed to go anywhere, ESAs are not. They are only covered by the Fair Housing Act and the Air Carrier Access Act and are not permitted in hotels, trains, or stores. And many people do not fully understand the laws and the differences surrounding the two classifications of animals. In fact, the New York woman proved this when she took various emotional support animals to a bunch of different public locations and convinced many of those locations to approve their entry. For example, she flew from Newark to Boston with a pig. She visited an art museum with a turtle and even shopped at Chanel with a snake. I'd have been out of that store in a heartbeat. (laughs) Here is a new idea that has been increasing in popularity as a way to find shelter animals' new homes. The Humane Society of Greater Savannah in Georgia did it and says their foster program to place pets in homes over the holidays was a huge success. People were given the chance to drop by the shelter and foster a dog or a cat. So about 10 dogs were placed in homes over the holidays, and about half of them were adopted. So another benefit of this is that the shelter is also able to learn a lot about the dogs that were not adopted, so they were able to work on their issues and hopefully get them adopted soon. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Time to hang out with Miss Doc Halligan, Dr. Doc Halligan. Dr. Doc? Miss Doc. (laughs) For the Lucy Pet Foundation. How are you doing, Doc? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, I've been waiting all week because last week you teased me. You said you would tell me this week how I could brush my cat's teeth because I, I simply am afraid to do it, really. Yes. And that's why you would not be successful. Oh, yeah, because I think, you know, really, you've got to think of this as something that's fun for them because you're saving their lives. So instead of being nervous about it, um, think about it as, wow, I'm saving my cat's lives by, by br- brushing their teeth. You will add years to their life. So what you want to do is um, you're not going to do it the first time you try it. See, you're going to build up to it. Oh, Okay, that's the goal. It could take you a month. It could take two months. So see, that's it. You got to do baby steps because it's very unnatural for you to put your finger in your pet's mouth. Uh-huh. But everybody wants instant gratification. They want to be able to do I it know. now. Okay, so what I do know, I do? And I what think that's I... the biggest mistake. So it, you've got to start with the sessions. They should always be short and fun. And it's got to be something where you do positively reinforce them with it. So really, the first step is just getting your finger in their mouth. Um, and what you should do is dip it in tuna broth Ooh. or beef bouillon, right? So dip your finger in and they come up to it and then just like put your finger on their lip. Now what and keeps them tomorrow- from chewing on your finger because it tastes like tuna? <laughs> Taking a bite out of it. Yeah. 
Well, because it's uh, you're not, you know, giving them food. Okay. I've never had anybody bite me from that. Just okay. it smells good. Okay. So I mean, you could just let them smell it, and if they try to eat you, then maybe <laughs> we'll go. We'll talk about the very end what you should do if you can't do that. Okay. Um, but so then just try um, getting your finger near their mouth. Um, you don't have to open their mouth. I think that's what. You know, it's kind of like um, medicating a, a pet, too. It's an unnatural experience. So having the positive attitude is so important. Lose the fear and just have this be a fun, like, training session, basically. So, like I said, just get them used to maybe putting your finger, um, you know, on their lip um, then kind of try to go inside. You don't have to open their mouth. Um, even my cat, Nathan, who's naughty, I can br- brush his teeth because I did it over a period How of long? time. How long is a period of time? Like, I think it took me six weeks okay. with him. Kinky uh, was like three days. Okay. She was, I was brushing her teeth. So then that's it. All right. So it's like, guess what? And then you're going to give them a treat afterwards, right? So the sessions are super short. You know, they're like, oh, okay. So if I let her put my finger, her finger in my mouth, then I get a treat. So you're positively reinforcing it at the end of the day when they're kind of tired um, and they're not all wound up, especially with dogs. Right? You wouldn't want to do it like first thing in the morning when mm-hmm. they haven't had their walk or anything. Um, like I said, it should be short. The sessions are short. Now, once you've got them used to you putting like your finger in there, or if you want to try with a brush or a finger cut instead, maybe you are nervous and you have like an angled brush, the brush has to be for pets. Can't use humans because the tooth bristles are too hard. So if you do want to do a brush because you are nervous and that makes you feel more comfortable with the bullion on it, then have them do that. They might want to just lick it at first, get them used to licking that, then slowly put it in their mouth. You see what I, where sure. I'm going with this? Sure. Okay. And then go to the toothpaste. They have great t- flavored toothpaste, tuna beef chicken. Now let them lick the toothpaste off the toothbrush. So we can't, finger. We, we can't use human toothpaste. No, because it's, it has too many detergents in it. And oh. remember, they don't spit out. Oh, yes. You put the toothpaste on your finger or the toothbrush, whichever one you've gravitated okay. to, and, and get them licking it. Oh, okay, this isn't bad. So the look, <laughs> you know, they will look forward to this, believe it or not, really? because it tastes good. Yeah, it tastes good. And then it's just a period of them getting used to this because it's not normal. And really, what the goal is over a period of time to where you do circular motions where the gum meets the tooth, where that particular pet is building up the tartar. And okay. Uh, what do we do? What's the first thing vets do? We lift up their gums and we look their teeth. We yep. look at their teeth, right? Yep. We don't get bit. Nope. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we just do it because we're confident. We know it's something that's going to help them. It's our mindset about it. And cats, I always look at cats' teeth. So don't be squeamish about it and thinking that you can't because I know people that Betty White, she brushes all of her cat's teeth. <laughs> she told me that. And so in time, your pet will learn to kind of look forward to it. And the goal is you need to do it every other day. 
like a minute, Hal. And all you're wow. doing is getting rid of the billions of bacteria that's invisible on their teeth that you, you don't see that if you don't fix it, it will, you know, mix with the saliva and form that tartar. All right. Now, and you can be successful. I want to report back with you because I want to hear how it's going. Okay. I, I have a quick question. I know it's best okay. to start when they're puppies and kittens and get them used to it. Yes. If my Good cat point. is three years old, is it too late? It is not. I didn't start with Kinky until she was uh, like, I think, five. Okay, let's say you guys really try and you can't do anything. Plan, plan B. Well, they do. <laughs> plan B is they have washes that you can kind of try to squirt in there. There's diets that you can use. There's dental diets that have um, enzymes baked into them. It's better than doing nothing, but you know, obviously the brushing is the best. But at least you're doing something. Yeah. So like um, a, a greenie is not a substitute for brushing. Nothing is a substitute for brushing. No, and you'd be amazed at how many animals will really let you brush their teeth. If you go slow, make it fun and um, reward, positively reinforce it. Now, I'm not asking you to floss, so, you know, just the brushing. (laughs) There you go. Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Visit them over at lucypetfoundation.org. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Vinnie Penn, your resident party animal, with you once again. Uh, took my daughter and my son. I have a son, too. Luke, he's two years old. Uh, out to the pumpkin patch way back when, right before Halloween. And it was interesting because they had llamas there, which half of the day I spent calling llamas until finally an irritated parent corrected me. And uh, my children were fascinated by the llamas behind the fence. They had scheduled times when you could see the llama, which I thought was great. They would say, you know, at such and such an hour, come bring the kids by. We'll bring the llama out. So we did it twice because my kids wanted to go back and and see the llama a second time. They were so fascinated by this creature as they should be. And I want my children to be fascinated by animals. But it seemed as if they the, the, the pumpkin patch scheduled the times that the llama would come out with his bowel movement times because every time the the llama came out it defecated right in front of all of the children and parents could they couldn't they kind of gauge get a better handle on exactly when the the llama would be having a bathroom break and bring them out afterwards no matter how cute i tried to cover it up i'm like well look luke there's the mama llama Ooh, vinnie pen party animal animal radio How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the Rx Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 
That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is one of the greatest debates among pet owners these days. Should you let your dog or cat sleep with you on the bed? I say, of course, and most of us animal lovers do, but... One concern has been whether sharing a bed with your pet might disturb your sleep, which can affect you in many different ways. And many sleep specialists, they advise against animals sleeping with you. But a recent study from the Center of Sleep Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona might be changing some minds. Researchers there surveyed 150 sleep center patients and found that more than half of pet owners allowed their pets to sleep with them in the bedroom, on the bed. But one out of five described their pets as disruptive. However, 41% said their pets were quiet and even beneficial to their nightly sleep. The experts loved that. They say if having a pet nearby helps you feel relaxed and gives you a sense of security, and that helps you to fall asleep with less difficulty, then by all means, have your pet sleep with you, just as long as they're clean and don't have any fleas. But this study, keep in mind, did not look at whether different types of pets or even different breeds of animals were more disruptive than others. But the good news is they say they hope to investigate those questions in the near future. Interesting stuff, although I'm pretty sure it's the pets that allow me to sleep in the bed. <laughs> and I have a backache because of it, huh? Violet, how are you doing? I Someone dropped off this little chihuahua, and um, I've raised him now. And uh, he's got a lot of little spots. Like, you know, they, I took him to get fixed, and he says he has an allergy. So I started okay. giving him some kind of flex dog, which is a free fatty acid and immune system. I'm seeing a little bit difference, but I don't know if that's what I could do for, like, doing his... Um, I do the tea tree, but that's not working. So maybe okay. a different type of shampoo. Okay, or... tell me a little bit more about this guy. How old is he? He's only five months old. Five-month-old, little chihooey-hooey. <laughs> and what what do these um, areas look like on his body? Little just, like, spots of red. Okay. And, and is and there it, hair it, loss it, in the areas? It, it's just pink. And then it's just, he's got hair on there. Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that allergies definitely can happen in young dogs. But the the truth of the matter is that seasonal allergies, inhalant allergies, are not going to be present in a doggy this young. So things that are pollens, um, you know, things that are blooming outside, it takes a well over a year and a half of exposure to those environmental allergens for a pet to develop an allergy. So um, we can almost kind of just ignore that whole possibility. Okay. But we can sometimes see food allergies in young dogs. Sometimes I've, the youngest I've diagnosed it has been a six-month-old puppy. Um, but typically those pets will tend to be quite itchy. Um, you know, we have some pretty typical signs with that. In a chihuahua puppy, oh golly, at five months old, I will tell you. Yeah, I understand he's uh, high maintenance. <laughs> yeah. The first thing I honestly would have this boy um, evaluated for is to check him for mites. Um, demodectic mites, or what they call the red mange, is quite common. When I took them in and then they fixed them, so they said just to do the cortisone, but... Well, and if it, did it help? Um, it does help, yeah, but every time I take him over to the, my mom's yard, it's, it's, I think he's allergic to the grass. 
Because okay. when he comes back, he's all red again. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, going with the odds in a young pup of his age, um, even if we don't see mites on the first sampling, sometimes it does take multiple samplings. So I would just want to make sure we exhaust that. And now this is something your vet can't do just by looking. They actually have to take some skin samples. They have to do that skin scraping, as we call it. So if that's been done, then I'll feel more comfortable about that. But, you know, okay, so say say that test is negative for your little guy. Um, Yes, there are definitely going to be some things we're going to look at doing. And we might start with some of those um, colloidal oatmeal shampoos, which can be very soothing for the skin. Um, And then I would address going into um, a hypoallergenic diet. I'm not really familiar with some of the brand that you mentioned. Yeah. But no to get grain, into, no nothing. yeah, and you know, grain isn't always oh, the, the big problem. It's kind of a, a big fad in the human world with nutrition. But actually, some research studies actually have shown that some of the most common allergens in foods for dogs are things like beef, which is over 30% of the most common allergens in dogs. Dairy and wheat are followed after that. And actually, you know, corn is pretty low on the list. It's lower down. So um, things when we talk about grains, yeah, it could be a grain problem, but in many cases it could be a chicken a beef um all those other ingredients oh my gosh yeah so you would um i'd say pick up that phone talk to that vet and say what food would you recommend in my office if i'm treating a food allergy i like to go to something in a young dog like a novel protein diet maybe it's going to be something that's just got two ingredients it's going to have a carbohydrate and it's going to have a protein my own dog is on a rabbit based diet um some dogs thrive really well on a fish based diet and the thing i'll tell you is with with hypoallergenic diets you know it's it's a little bit trickier than just looking on the label and saying is does this food have that ingredient or not? Because for hypoallergenic diets, the ideal way to, to do this is to manage it with very limited ingredients and to make sure that we're using things that are new and novel to the pet's experiences. So I, I personally, as a veterinarian, I like to have some um, recommendations that I would throw your way. Um, so chat with that veterinarian and make sure that we didn't have mites. And then then we can talk about a little bit more about these diets. Violet, I, I commend you. You've got your hands full with the that whole crew of doggy daycare and uh, bless that little guy's heart and i'm sure you're gonna get him on the mend here soon okay we're gonna get on out of here i suggest you go grab the animals right now take them outside for a walk if you have beautiful weather where you are if not just play with them inside spend some time with them because that is the best present you can give your animals is your time and love and attention your presence. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. Gordy and I are going to go take a, a bath. A bath? I'm going to give Gordy a bath now. <laughs> <laughs> together? That'll be our time together. Yeah. Yes. No, no. He's going to be in the tub. I'll be handling the soap. This is Animal, Animal. Animal. Radio Network. Network.